0: Welcome to Stage Left, a bi-monthly podcast where we talk about the latest shows on Broadway and beyond. I'm your host, Rob Russo, writer, theater critic, and founder of stageleft.nyc, and co-host and co-producer of the Fabulous Invalid podcast, also on the Broadway Podcast Network. This podcast provides a platform for younger critics and theater journalists with the goal of broadening the cultural conversation to elevate and include as many diverse perspectives as
2: possible.
1: I'm dying to know what's across the road, what's behind the wall, what's around the corner, and what will it take till I find my way? Will it be today?
0: Will it be too late? Wait till you see what's next. Joining me this week is David Gordon, theater critic, senior features reporter and principal photographer at theatermania.com and... Current president of the Outer Critic Circle. Welcome to the show, David.
3: Thank you for having me. Yeah,
0: delighted to have you. Um, and returning for round two is Casey Mink, senior staff writer at Backstage. Welcome back, Casey.
1: Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be back. Yeah,
0: I wish this was the kind of show where I had a couch so I could be like, Welcome
1: back to the couch. <laughs> but it's okay.
3: Uh, Honestly, yeah. speaking yeah. of bad angles, a couch a never, yeah. <laughs> never flattering. Oh,
2: I like couches. Yeah. Oh, okay. I just like huh? sitting. Like, yeah.
0: And we're already disagreeing. I love it. I love it. Um, <laughs> perfect. All right. So this week, uh, for this episode, we're going to take a look. At three different plays um, that are at three of New York's best nonprofit theater companies. So, first up, we'll talk about My Name is Lucy Barton, which is playing at Manhattan Theater Club. Um, then, we'll talk about Is This a Room, which just finished a run at uh, the Vineyard Theater off Broadway. And then, we'll finish with A Soldier's Play, which is currently at Roundabout Theater Company on Broadway. Um, Excellent. So to kick us off, uh, my name is Lucy Barton. Uh, This is a one-woman show uh, adapted by the book um, by Pulitzer Prize-winning author Elizabeth Strout. In which Laura Linney plays um, Lucy Barton, spoiler alert, um, a woman who wakes up after an operation to find her estranged mother at the foot of her bed. Also played by Laura Linney. Also played by Laura Linney, spoiler (laughs) alert, number two. Exactly. Um, And during their days long visit, uh, Lucy tries to understand her past, works to overcome terms with her family, and begins to find herself as a writer. That's publicist speak right there. There you go. From the show description. Alrighty, so what did we think of My Name is Lucy Barton? Who wants to go first? I'm still asleep. <laughs>
2: yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, oh, what a bore. The funny thing is because just my I guess, my quote-unquote reputation. Everyone thinks that any play written by a woman, I'm just gonna fucking love it, right? And so I have to sometimes <laughs> just let people down very easy. Where I'm like, hey, I don't actually love everything just because it's by and about women. It <laughs> yeah. also has to be compelling and interesting storytelling as well. Which I'm not saying this isn't in. It's none of that, right. but I don't know if it was enough. <laughs> right. I don't think it's a play.
3: Well,
0: that's well, that's right. an interesting question, right? Yeah. I mean, so so it's adapted from this book, which I have to admit Ooh. I didn't read. I, don't know I, the, if I read the book because okay. I did
3: the, the press junket for it. Okay. And Rona was there and Elizabeth Strat was there Lureland, yeah. and Laura, and I read the book because yeah. it's very short. It's a very. Right. That's yeah, what it's, I've heard. It's, you know, a it's 120, 130 yeah. pages. It's yeah. nothing.
0: A, a novella, if you yeah. will.
3: Right,
1: yeah. right.
3: That's the length of a play. Right, right. And this, to me, was just like sitting in a theater listening to, you know, an audiobook lull me to sleep, which is fine.
2: Mm. Is it? Yeah, I don't
1: know. An an
3: audiobook lulling me to sleep is fine. Right, right. Not in a theater at prices that people pay. And it's one of the best-selling shows in Manhattan Theater Club history.
0: Yes. It's unbelievable.
1: I mean, I will say thank you goddess for Laura Linney <laughs> yes.
0: because in, uh, she less, tries so hard. in less
1: competent yes. hands, I mean, that play wouldn't even be... I will say that I think it's worth seeing only because she really tries her damnedest, she, you know? Yeah. It's
3: worth seeing specifically because you're watching an actor really try to
0: sell material. Right. And she yeah. does so, she so, so well. <laughs> right. I mean, I I, I was just completely rapt by her performance. And and, yeah. and and it's amazing because the character itself is not particularly memorable or impressionable. And that's almost kind of the point, right? That she's sort of this like average woman who's had this awful traumatic, you know, upbringing and is coming to terms with it now. She's just, like sort of plain Jane from the Midwest. Yeah. Um, and yet Laura Linney was yeah. just absolutely compelling. I mean, I, I don't know if this was true at the performance that you guys were at. Uh, maybe it was like her allergies. I don't know, but she kept like, gently wiping away tears <laughs> throughout the 90 minutes of her performance. And it felt like yeah. this, like, really poignant, vulnerable, you know, uh, performance. So I don't know, again, if that was just, you know, I mean, were that day or if it's yeah, always Yeah, I think like they got that. really
1: lucky that Laura Linney agreed to do it and yes. carry it on her back. Yes. I mean, I feel like it's comparable in some ways, even though it wasn't a one-person play, to The Sound Inside, which mm. so heavily relied on Mary Louise oh Parker. Yeah. Yes. But the difference yes. is that was an incredible actor rising to meet incredible material. In my opinion, I loved that play. Oh, I loved I and love that play, yeah. this was the unfortunate other side of that coin, which is an incredible actor is single-handedly Le- elevating material herself. Right. And that's just, I don't know, Laura Linney could be put to so much better use. Yes, I agree I'm, with
3: that. I'm 100%. even going to... I might even be the detractor that says <laughs> I've always loved. I love Laura Linney in theory. Like I love Laura Linney. Mm. Wow. I love. I know. I know. I know. I know. Lines are being drawn. Yeah. yeah. I love watching her on stage, but there's something about her that I always find very cold.
1: Mm. Mm. And
3: I thought that really didn't help this production. Yeah. 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 Well, again, because it helped with the role in the mother when she was playing the mother. I thought mm. that I can worked. See that. Yeah. I
1: can see that. You I know. mean, honestly, I walked out and just texted a friend who had seen it a few days prior and was like, okay, so she just wanted to sleep with her doctor, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. That's kind of my big takeaway there. Take you go, away that's there. Casey's takeaway. Well, yeah, also, yeah. I had seen it the same, and unfortunately we we're not talking about this play, but I saw it the same week that I saw um, Grand Horizons. Yes. And a I was just like, yes, a much better play. A much better play, also yes. about...
3: Female sexuality. Well, yeah. and
1: dealing parental parent-child relations. Yes. And mm-hmm. I was just like, damn, rough week for anyone who had contentious <laughs> issues with their parents, so every single person on earth... yeah. But that play is much better, but we're not talking yeah. about
0: it. No, I agree. I mean, David, you touched on selling earlier, which to me is like the key takeaway, and it's what I wrote about mostly in my review, is anytime you're adapting something for the stage, I feel like you need to have a reason why you've chosen to adapt mm. it. Why can't it just live on its own terms? Mm-hmm. And this, to me, I mean, the biggest tell of this entire production is the fact that Penguin Random House Audio is recording it as like a live... You know, taping of a show, which is just like an audiobook. Well, which I
3: find really interesting that Penguin is doing it, not Audible. Well,
1: right. That's the thing. Mm. Audible does this at the Manette Lane Theater downtown, and they do it, I think, incredibly well most of the time. I mean, they did. They presented that Carrie Mulligan play, Boys and and Girls and and Boys. boys. Yes, one of those. Yeah, I
0: I did not like.
1: Okay. Oh, Really? really Oh my gosh. Okay. I did not. I'll watch
0: her do anything. I think about,
1: but I think about that play all the time, and it it was very impactful in the room, and I think there was there were moments that were synesthetic and they worked with all of the visual and the audio and everything, but it also does work as an audio play. But this, you're totally right. It just could be an audio play and you don't get anything additional from having seen it as well. I
3: also think, I think, I think the, they went into it specifically saying, we are going to do this as a vehicle for Laura Linney. That's Mm -hmm. just what I've gathered Mm -hmm. from the beginning. Mm -hmm. And that's
1: never a great start.
3: And I think they specifically wanted to keep it in this format. Why, I don't know. But everybody I know that has seen My Name is Lucy Barton has walked out and said, (laughs) why just one other actor? Just put another (laughs) actor in. Right, Make it a play.
1: Right. I mean, cast an amazing actor like Holland Taylor as her mother.
0: There anybody yeah We're going. We're going. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, that's, that's the the thing about a one-person play that can be so incredible. I don't know if if either of you saw, um, speaking of Audible, Harry Clark. Yes. Oh yeah, which I mean, Billy Crudup played like what, like eight different characters, yes. and yes. he summoned no, I think each one. Yeah, like I mean, twenty-five or something. Yes, it was unbelievable, mm-hmm. and he summoned each one so specifically. And also, that show, unlike this one, was basically him on an empty set, and right, yeah. everything that you saw was in your head. And what drove me crazy about the design of this production, it's Bob Crowley, right? Who's like one of the greatest designers, you know, to work on Broadway and theater in general. And literally she would be like, and then we were in the cornfields and then a cornfield would appear in the background. And it's like, I don't need to see a picture of a cornfield. Just talk about a cornfield and I can be complicit in the theater making There were a lot of
3: bizarre directorial design choices. Yeah, It reminded me of, when they did Heisenberg, which Mary Louise mm. Parker, we're just yes, gonna talk yeah. about right. Mary Louise Parker. <laughs> uh, this is a Mary Louise Parker show. When now. they did ah. Heisenberg at City Center, and it yeah. was in the tiny space, mm. it was in the really tiny space, mm-hmm. it's a two-character play, two character play, stage two. And they had the actors on all sides. Right. And then they moved it to Broadway, yep. and they had the actors, uh, they had the audience on all sides mm-hmm. again. On stage, yeah. On stage. And for this one, they had audience on stage also, but they brought the set out a little bit and change the seating configuration in the front orchestra right. by putting, by making it a right. thrust, but ever so slightly. And so it just struck me as they were trying to get into, to create intimacy mm. in a way that just felt really artificial and just made it worse for me because I spent being, <laughs> right. I, well, I spent that entire show looking at people dozing off on stage. Oh, a girl legit fell asleep in the right. front row on stage, which is very unfortunate for right. Laura Linney. <laughs> yeah. to have that dis- energy being fed to you and very on stage. distracting for me right. because I kept saying to myself, "God, I wish." God, I'm not. I'm glad I'm not there, but God, I wish I right. could also doze right it's now. A, yeah. It's
1: hollow. it's hollowed. It's it's exactly what you're saying. It's like these really hollow gestures of intimacy where it's trying to say, look how intimate we are. Yeah. Mm. And actually onstage seating for that play is entirely, It does it's ill-fitting. It doesn't work yeah. at all. And she all doesn't play
3: to them very much either.
0: No, she yeah. doesn't. Honestly, I've never thought of her
1: as being a cold actor, but... She was cold in this. You're right. <laughs> Damn.
0: Some revelations happening on stage I left. Mean, Sorry. I don't, I don't want to change your opinion of Laura Lenny because I love Laura Linney, too. We all yeah. love
1: Laura Linney. I mean, yeah. We're yeah. Not, we're not she's one re- of the greatest re-writing.
0: actors of her generation, for if sh- I can I'm, say so. Right? Yeah, I mean. yeah.
1: Yeah. I definitely think so. I also certainly think she's probably very likely to get a Tony nomination for this, if not when.
3: Okay, win. we'll take it easy. Wow. I, I think Mary
1: Louise Parker. Just one more thing about Mary Louise <laughs> Parker. I'm worried that M-L-P. Mary Louise
3: Parker is going to cancel she's, herself she's out. She's going to be double nominated. Oh, that's right. She's yeah, but that's nominated. that's a conversation for four months from now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? yeah. We'll uh, have to come back. Yeah, I know. It's so the second helping.
0: time you put in the plug for the Tony's episode. Yeah, Casey, you're invited. <laughs> you guys hear that? It's, it's binding happening. if you say it on I, podcast. It's happening.
3: I also I also just want to bring up, and this is something that I've made fun of to friends at work everywhere. That play is staged. My Name is Lucy Barton is staged in such a way where she's sitting on the bed and she's one character and then she turns her back. Yeah, It's staged like a 30-rock one-person Yeah, Where it's like, I'm going to stand to my right and I'm going to be one character. Then I'm going to stand to my left and be another character. (laughs) And and then there is that one moment
0: where she says... And my name is, is Lucy Barton. Barton. And well, everyone's just like <laughs> she did the thing. <laughs> she did the that's, thing. That's, that was the lead of my review. It's like that moment you dread, where, right. the, where the, the, the titular line is is said yeah. aloud, you know. And I literally, she said it, and in my mind, I said. Nobody asked. Uh, Literally. Is that supposed to be some revelation, what your name yeah, is? It's all my you know ticket stuff.
3: I this truly has been a soldier's play. <laughs>
0: right.
1: It was, the real Marilyn was in front of us all along. Yeah. smash. Um, he
0: died the death of a salesman. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. yeah. I yeah, think that yeah.
1: maybe, I don't know what about this all made it not work, but the direction, I think, really sealed the deal as far as it's being... Just really forgettable.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, let's but it's forget and like hot selling it. Like yeah. <laughs> selling, well, that, well, that's true. That's true. And it's I interesting mean, because there's cool. a there, there's a crossover of Laura Linney fans and fans of the book. Yeah. And it's like yeah. a really sweet nexus. There are a lot because, of books.
3: There are a lot of book clubs going. Yeah. do that show. Cool. Are Well, and it's like very hard to get. For it would the
1: be show. so cool if a book that needed or <laughs> that called for being seen in a different medium were adapted, and they didn't follow this model of like a bestseller. We're just going to put it up exactly the same. Yes. Let's do yeah. something that deserves another dimension
2: yeah
0: yeah the whole thing feels a little too contrived and commercially driven okay so let's move on now to our second play of the episode um, we're going to talk about is this a room which like I said at the top um, just completed uh, a return engagement at uh, the Vineyard theater downtown and um, in this piece of documentary theater constructed uh, verbatim from the FBI transcript of the June 3rd, 2017 interrogation of 25-year-old former Air Force linguist Reality Winner, which seems like a fake name, but it is in fact mm. the character's name and the person's name. Uh, in the show, the audience witnesses the interview and charging of Winner with leaking top-secret evidence of Russian interference in the 2016 election. It's a real-life story that is still unfolding because Winner is still in prison uh, serving a five-year sentence for uh, violating the Espionage Act, um, so this was a really, really interesting piece of documentary theater. I thought <laughs> My, it was really cool. Yeah, I'm
1: obsessed with it. I'm yeah, absolutely obsessed with it. It was like at the end of last year, all I was telling people to do was go see "Is This Room" and go see our dear dead drug lord, oh, yes. which they're yes. both gone now. They are both gone now,
0: unfortunately. But that's why that's why I wanted to talk about this piece because I feel like it was it was a bit of a toast of to the town last fall.
1: Slow burn. It's yes, slow for burn. Sure. And then all of a sudden, towards the end of the run, everyone was freaking out about right. it so and much v- so that it came back. And yeah. it's
3: very polarizing. Yeah. yeah, you either
0: really love it or you really don't. Which yeah, well, I, I have thought some thoughts that we that we're gonna get into. <laughs> yeah, because I I'm not I don't love it as much as I as I suspect uh, the two of you did. Ugh. Well, first of all, I mean I I, I love documentary theater and I'm like mm-hmm. here for any time someone wants to take a verbatim anything. And I've it been
3: seeing page. a lot of documentary theater this month actually. Yeah, what else? Did you see the courtroom? Well, no, I didn't see. I haven't seen the courtroom yet. But yeah. you know, from Fires in the Mirror back mm-hmm. in the fall. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, then I saw How to Load a Musket. Oh yeah, Monahan's play about war reenactors, which was really interesting. Yeah, and then I saw something at the Art New York theaters last night called "Border People," which is like "Fires in the Mirror" and it's right. one guy playing eleven different characters: hmm. uh, immigrants, uh, people in the South Bronx, African American, Latino, Muslim, cool. and it's just stories of borders and not just like physical borders, but racial, cultural, yeah. religious, and I don't know if it's uh, just something in the ether that all of these shows are starting to pop up or yeah. if documentary theater is making a resurgence, but I feel
0: like, is this a room? Is it the forefront of a movement that's totally. beginning? Mm-hmm. Well, in an age when like we're like questioning truth and fact, 100%. I mean, perhaps yeah. there is this desire, this yearning to like get to the root of things and, yeah. and put live, real stories on stage verbatim. And from, it's funny because you know, it's, it's the... Fact.
1: W- it's diametrically opposed to sort of the escapism, which is also something that we're all craving a little bit more yes. right now in these uh For
0: sure. these times, we'll call <laughs> yeah, them that. Yeah. Um well it's interesting. So so first of all, I loved Emily Davis's performance. Uh, as she was reality. so good. She was unbelievable. I
1: think it's one of the most incredible performances yeah. I've ever seen Literally. in my life. I've yes. never seen a performance like yes. that in all my years it's of so theater It's so trite to say,
0: but it felt like one of those performances where you like, she wasn't acting. Like, she was living. Well, it's, so, it's so unassuming. But, yes.
1: The naturalism yeah. of all of these... I mean, obviously, yeah. in documentary theater, you hope that naturalism is just sort of implicit, but oftentimes, I have seen it. The actors aren't... It's, it's tough. It's a really tough thing yeah. to do. But her performance as reality winner, it's haunted me. I saw it in December, and I, I have not stopped yeah. thinking about it. It's just... It is so. It's like a, just a roller coaster ticking very slowly, and all of a sudden, it just the bottom falls out, and mm-hmm. you. I don't know. Give her, give her trophies. Yeah, it
3: goes please. from it <laughs> goes from zero to a hundred really quickly. Yeah, like yeah. in a way that you don't even realize. It's like oh shit! It just
0: something just happened. Yeah. So the so the the thing I do have an issue with with the show though. Okay. Is I feel like it would benefit from more of a frame, which is to say that you arrive at the theater. You sit down, you witness this interaction between the FBI and this woman. Um, you don't necessarily know, you, uh, unless you bring to the theater your own knowledge of the story. Because
3: it, it just stops. It, it doesn't, it just ends. B- because the story hasn't ended. Right.
0: She's still in prison. She's and this is, this is like, jail. you know, it's still unfolding before our eyes. Um, so but the, it's also
3: nothing other than the transcript, so it right, goes correct. where the transcript goes, and correct. then the transcript. And there are ends. some
0: really
1: sort of jarring moments where there are omitted sections from the transcript that they have a really cool way of speaking of great direction. They yes. have a really cool way of letting us know that they're that things we, that
2: were redacted. Yeah,
1: we don't know from
0: the transcript, but but that's part of it too because you know I read in the intro that it's you know that she leaked this document referring to Russian interference in the 2016 election. I don't believe that's ever said in the play. I don't recall hearing it I, I think the I believe the the substance of the intelligence was in fact one of the redacted moments unless I'm misremembering
3: I think you're right Casey seems a lot more of a
0: diehard I than I am
1: I only saw it the one time yeah. because yeah. I was I was late to it so yeah well. mm-hmm. so
0: again I mean what I think this play is trying to do and very nobly so is is be a part of a very important and urgent conversation about how we, how we interact with our government and how uh, secrets mm-hmm. and information are processed and shared or not. Um, but the problem is that I have with the play is that like I don't think it's doing that necessarily because it doesn't have any sort of larger frame and all, all the details are redacted from the story. So if you walked in not knowing anything and you didn't read anything else after, you'd be like, oh, okay, this, this woman took well, some documents I- and got arrested and that's it. When the story itself is far more complicated than that,
3: well, and, I, and to some degree, it's it's a similar question to my name is Lucy Barton, and is this a play?
0: Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I do think it was I think incredibly it was much more
1: compelling than Lucy Barton. Oh,
0: certainly, <laughs> Most yeah. certainly. But I think any Day. sort of like yeah. you know police interrogation or the FBI or whatever is going to be you know it, it isn't more inherently right. dramatic because there are. Characters interacting with each other, not just one person right. flipping side to side, pretending to be two but, other people. I
1: mean, I do think that this is a play. I think that um, Tina Satter, did we say yes. her name? Yes, yeah. mm,
0: Tina Satter. Tina Satter, director, yeah, director creator. And consumer.
1: Yeah, yeah, she half straddle. Right. It's there's no there is no credited writer mm-hmm. of this play, which is you know a, it's super notable. But I I agree that there is no frame, but I definitely don't think there is not structure. I think there is. Absolutely a structure in place, and directorial choices have been made to contribute to this very, very eerie sort of haunting piece of theater.
0: It's very well crafted. my, my, My just concern is that it seems untethered from any sort of larger conversation about the morality or the ethics or the legality of what actually occurs in the show itself.
3: I kind of wish, it was one of those plays where it ended and they bowed and because there is no ending, because life is still happening, no one really knew it was over. And to me it just sort of felt like, Mm -hmm. maybe to some degree of what you were feeling, I wished there was more... Like I wish there was a second act,
0: right? Or like yeah. a, but a, second a facilitated talkback or something to like make it more of a conversation. I know, I know you, you say talkback, and everyone's eyes just sort of glaze over. No like, no, no I thanks. don't want to witness a talkback.
1: But like, I don't, I don't know, want just to hear something. old
0: people talking about. I
1: don't because, want to hear an old person raising their yeah. hand and say, "I actually have a comment, not a question." Right? It's
0: that's a but, but it's a goes. play that's clearly calling for a conversation.
1: Yeah,
0: yes. I do, and I feel like you don't. You're not given enough information to intelligently have that conversation unless you do your own research,
1: which maybe.
3: Which
0: should. Yeah, no, I mean, I I, I certainly did my
1: research. Don't you think maybe the play is asking us to do that? I mean, I've heard some rumblings that um, it's going to have another run. Yes. And prior to the election. Mm -hmm. And with the intent of this needs to be seen before the election, is that not asking your audience to lean forward, do the extra research, figure out what's going on here, be an engaged civilian, (laughs) and know what you're. What's on the line here, what you're voting for, how everything affects everything else. Right. And production wise, you can
3: do it, you could do it anywhere. You don't, it's not really, there's staging, but it's not, you know, it's not a huge set. You can do it unfolding
0: chairs you could do it as a reading you could do it right
1: you do it on Broadway?
0: on Broadway right, right. You should do it on well Broadway. It, it, in that way it reminds me of the courtroom right which has been done in a variety of different settings I still need to see that. the city over the course of the past year and that is a verbatim transcript of a trial of, of, of an immigration trial and then act 2 is the appellate version of it see right. so, but but there there was more of an arc to the story because right. you get the more complete story. Here the right. story is similar that she's still to in prison, right? another
1: play that I love, oh. which I brought up yes. <laughs> last time I was on the Casey, podcast. what play
0: would that
2: be? <laughs>
1: um, have I told you about what the constitution means <laughs> to me means to me? No, but actually just excerpting those those Supreme Court cases. Right. That I guess is sort of to your point, it's used in that play as evidence in a much larger sort of structure. Right. Right, and I I think that your criticism is a valid one, but I also think that my opinion is the right one. (laughs) But also,
0: you're right. No, I mean, also, I I should put my cards out on the table. Full disclosure, you know, I come to this a as a lawyer because I I do go to law school and I am licensed to practice law in New York State. Um, And it's not an ad. That's good to know. And um, I spent four years at a national security agency earlier in my career. I was at the State Department for four years, um, and I had a Top How did secret? you get into theater?
3: Know, exactly, yeah, yeah, right?
0: We'll talk about that later. Um, but I had a top secret security clearance. And with that comes a lawful obligation to handle material responsibly, right? right? And there's a question I mean, to, to the Vineyard Theater's credit, after you see the show, I bought tickets. So I got the email from them you know, saying, thanks for coming to the show. And they, they linked to several articles uh, about mm. this case. And they included one from the Washington Post that said, Reality Winner is not a whistleblower, and it was an opinion piece by a lawyer for whistleblowers who says she's actually not a whistleblower, she's someone who irresponsibly leaked information that she was not entitled to leak. Right. And, you know, definitionally, a whistleblower is someone who observes waste, fraud, abuse, or unlawful activity, and, you know, calls it out, right? This is an intelligence report. There was no waste, fraud, you know, or unlawful activity. It was just an internal document that she decided on her own to release, right? right. But then they also share, you know, a, a great uh, New York Magazine profile about her that goes into her whole story, her life, her upbringing, and her motivations for doing what she did. Um, so I guess, you know, the conversation is sort of happening there, but I, I wish there was just a little bit more of that in the play, but maybe that's just my own. This is so
3: shallow, but I just wanted her <laughs> Pikachu shoes. Sorry? Oh, yeah. I just wanted the Pikachu sneaker she was wearing, oh, right. and that's the most shallow thing I could <laughs> yeah. say about this I mean, play.
1: I think that my biggest takeaway of the play is just her performance is...
3: Oh my
0: god. Is unbelievable. Yes, yes, nominators is like nodding everywhere. Voters she remember Viola Davis and just crying. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh my god. I will Viola take Davis. this I will
3: take this into consideration. That's
0: right. It's, we're sitting with the president yeah, of right. one of the uh, organizations. So <laughs> amazing. Cool. So that was this is the room. Perhaps we'll see it again.
2: That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. In New York. I've heard. I've heard We've, so we've
0: heard things. Some, things some, have been said. Some peeps. Yeah. yeah. Uh, whispers, murmurs, shouts. Um, so I guess we'll stay tuned for that. Moving on to our third show of the episode, we're going to talk about A Soldier's Play. Uh, so this is a play that's uh, currently a roundabout theater company production at the American Airlines Theater. Uh, I should say Lucy Barton is currently playing at the Samuel J. Friedman Theater. Um, and is it, this room is closed, so you can't get a ticket. Um, but a soldier's play uh, takes place on an army base in central Louisiana in 1944 at the height of World War II. Uh, as a black sergeant's mysterious murder triggers an investigation by a f- fearless black captain who clashes with his white counterparts in a still segregated military and chases down the truth. Um, so this is, you know, in one one way of looking at it, is that it's a it's a crime procedural, it's a murder mystery. That's you it's know, a great episode of Law and Order, right? It, it's exactly it really it's is. an episode of Law and Order, right? Minus Marushka. Uh, yeah, <laughs> right. right? Um, but well, it also and she was a. Sorely missed. I will say that much. Yes. Well, I I know exactly what you're going to say. Yeah, I know you know what I'm going to say too. But I mean, you know, the 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 thing about it though that makes it that that I think keeps it from being just a a, you know a a straight up episode of Law and Order. Um, Blair Underwood's picks. Well, Blair Blair Underwood's picks for sure. um, But well, well received and noted. um, (laughs) No, is the fact of its setting right Uh, a very specific milieu of of African American soldiers during World War II in a segregated unit in the military, which to me just layers on an entire, you know, uh, facet to it that makes it so endlessly interesting. And I, and this is a play that was written in 1981, um, premiered at the Negro Ensemble Company, uh, won the 1982 Pulitzer Prize yeah. for drama, mm-hmm. uh, was made into a 1984 film, and is just now in 2020 receiving its Broadway debut. Um, and I have And to it's say, still a controversial play. Yeah, I mean, I... I I have to say kudos to the Pulitzer Prize board of 1982 for having yeah. the like prescience to well, see that this is, was a work that that would continue speaking to generations for decades to come and wasn't just a flash in the pan. I mean, they've always
1: been more progressive than the Tonys. Well, they yeah. they awarded three women last year. There you so. go. There you got so Casey, okay,
0: so. yeah. you you, you are, you've already alluded to one strand okay, of yes. criticism well, but you've about just, the play. You've
1: just said so like <laughs> so many true things, yeah. and I don't in any way shape or form want to undercut the s- historical significance right. the i mean just the theatrical significance of everything you just said however <laughs> any play that could exist exactly the way it does right now with those on stage and those off if every woman on earth disappeared mm. i'm just i'm never going to be able to get all the way behind and obviously, the, it, this is not about you know straight white men, so that's cool. Sorry, as <laughs> the, as as, <laughs> as, the, the okay. as the straight ex- white man, yeah. I accept your apology somewhat. <laughs> but it's and I, I did write this on Twitter, so it's not surprising. But I just there were yes, it is a story about about non white soldiers, but there were also you know non white women in in. War adjacent times as well. Mm-hmm. And obviously, we're not going to retroactively go back and, you know, add them into this play. It was a different time. But I mean, just it's also there's a male director. Like, and yeah. it had me thinking about how many times that's happened on Broadway where the entire cast and creative team were women. And the only thing I could think about in the last decade is Eclipsed.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Lifespan of a fact, didn't that have an entirely female? But there were two it men was, in the cast. Oh, two men in the cast. <laughs> and, and it was written, written by three guys. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, all right. So it right, just right. directed yeah. right, by right. a lady. I just, I'm just remembering the press
3: release.
1: And actually, I want to clarify what I mean by, because there are female uh, creatives in the, on the technical side, but when I say all-female principal creative team, that means writer, right. director, and in musicals, composer. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Yeah, it's just a bummer. And then I, I posted this on Twitter and then it came to my attention that there are four plays this season of which that is true. Really? Where there's I a, I saw this and I was trying to think of them off the top male. of my head. Mm. Um it's a soldiers play. Yeah. Um, the new base or the baseball revival. Oh, oh take, take Me out. out. Take Me Out. Um, that that mammoth play. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Unsurprisingly. Uh, American
3: Buffalo. Um, Spelled G R O A N.
1: Uh, You'll have to come back for that episode. Oh, with, with a pleasure. And there's one more. It'll come.
3: It'll come. But I, we. I hope it does. not <laughs> <honestly.
0: laughs> Sorry. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, that's. I mean, completely. Completely but fair. And I valid. just want to say
1: it one more time. Yeah. This wh- everything you said about this play yeah. is true. It's a story worth telling for sure. It's just a little bit of a bummer that it's one of four. Right. You right. know.
0: Right. Right. Well, I mean, Roundabout Theater Company, to their credit, I, I think three or four seasons ago there was a lot of criticism and very much deserving that they had produced yet another all-white season where every single cast yeah this is very unlike writer was white yeah so i mean i think that they're very intentionally trying to change course and kenny leon has said that he's you know he's been working with todd Haymes to like you know have a conversation and you know be involved in like bringing some (laughs) works by artists of color and Casting people of color to be on their stages because they are one of the preeminent nonprofit theater companies in New York. They've been around for over fifty years. Yeah, maybe the yeah, I mean, certainly, I I Up think they're there. they might be the oldest. Yeah, I
1: other, will other say
0: than the public. I will say as far
3: as oh, round yeah. as mm-hmm. far as Roundabout Productions go, on that level, this <laughs> one this one certainly didn't strike me as anything in their milieu for that reason but mm-hmm. also because it felt cohesive. Nothing <laughs> there are very few things <laughs> oh, that I you're see You're going it- to get some angry publicists yeah, right? in
0: your You know <laughs> So be it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh,
3: I'm a critic. You're
0: right. You are? True.
3: And you're I've good. been you know I grew up in New York I've been seeing roundabout co- theater company shows since I was a kid. Yeah. And mm-hmm. You know, for a while back in the early to mid two thousands, it f- often felt like they would have three dartboards. The dartboard with the play, <laughs> mm-hmm. a dartboard with this clueless celebrity that they can cast in it. Yeah. And the dartboard with yeah. that d- I'm gonna get in trouble for this. <laughs> uh, but in the past couple of years they've been and well, and to some degree the Rose Tattoo sort of feels
1: that way.
0: Mm. Yeah. Which uh, we're talking about incohesive. Right. And that production was all over the place.
1: <laughs> that was Terrible. It was. It was <laughs> but, awful. Yeah. It was so bad. No one knew a play they were in. Least of all, poor Marissa Tomei.
3: Let it be known that I'm not saying any of this.
1: Yeah.
3: <laughs> uh, but a soldier's play had a cohesive idea. Mm-hmm. It all felt like they yeah. were in the same play. True. Yes. And it well, was one that it just it had me from the start. It could be my love of procedurals because it is yeah. at heart a procedural. It yeah. is a lawyer coming in and interrogating people until he finds
0: out, and ruling out suspects True. until he right. finds out the True. story. And was, I don't know about you guys, but I, I did not know how it was going to end. No. Like I, I was completely on the, on the edge of my seat until the end of the show and totally wrapped up in the mystery of the story. Although mm-hmm. I read afterwards that it's, uh, it's a it's loosely, Billy, it's, yeah, Billy Bud. It's, it's Billy Budd, it's Billy Budd, which I, you know, of course <laughs> I should have seen that coming. Right. And then I would have known, you know, sort of what the, I'm glad
1: I didn't know though. I mean, yeah. me too. And yeah. I had fun. Yeah. I feel like I, everyone's going to think I shit all over the no, show. I did no, not mean to at no. all. I had a fun time.
0: Yeah. And it's I really
1: love the ending that I don't want to give away. Yeah, it's a, it's right. a fun watch. And yes. that's the mm-hmm. thing.
3: It's, it's the sort of play where you go and you want a bucket of popcorn because it's like oh this is yeah, like really but good but also please don't do that. Right. No. Uh, I don't advocate that either. at all. But <laughs> but it's like it's like good fun like melodrama. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I'm I think that's that. really yeah. fair and to say and those actors are Great, you took the words out of my mouth. Great what
0: actors. a terrific ensemble! Mm-hmm. I mean, you mentioned earlier his pecs, but the rest <laughs> of him, Blair Underwood, is doing <laughs> right. phenomenal work. Right. As is David Alan Greer, David yeah. Alan Greer, who amazing. was he's, a replacement in the was, original production of the show mm-hmm. and was in the film. Yeah, uh, he and is now the lead in this play. I, I, I hope he gets nominated. I
3: don't actually think he's gotten think a he's fair like, shake by a lot of the critics who true. don't think he's as men. Menace- because he's playing he's playing an African-American sergeant, lieutenant, uh, captain, he sergeant. He is a sergeant. 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 And his character is an unrepentant racist. Right. And, I mean, just in terms of what this play does, you rarely see any sort of material in the entertainment industry where you have a black character that is racist to mm-hmm. other black characters. Right.
1: And again, speaking of how just ahead of its time this play was, I mean this was forever ago. Yeah.
3: Forty years. Yeah. Forty years ago. And a lot of the critics have said that they didn't think David Allen Greer was menacing enough or maybe did they, that. Or yeah. maybe they were looking yeah. at it through the lens of his, you know, his comedy work. Right. But right. I feel That's like their hangup, Right. You know?
1: That exactly. Leave what Boy- <laughs> This is all about, I mean, this is obviously part of a much broader conversation, but everything that we bring with us into the theater so informs our reviews, Yeah. for example. I mean, just in our heads or
0: I just pointed out, is this a room, right? The fact that I'd worked at the State Department for four years totally informed the way I I witnessed that story. Also, I went to see,
3: speaking of David Allen Gray, I went to see Porgy and Bess at the Met the other night, Mm. and and the only thing, I couldn't get Audra McDonald and Norm Lewis out of my head as I was watching Porgy and Bess Mm. hang-ups. Anyway, um, yeah, I thought David Allen Greer was great. Well, that's I that's thought Blair was Blair I mean, was great. All of those actors yeah. who were played the the members of the and platoon. Wait, I mean, I just
1: learned that one of those character? actors uh used to be a famous pro- a professional yes. athlete.
3: Namdi. Namdi. Yes. Plays, He's married to it, Kerry, Kerry Washington. Under- yeah.
1: <laughs> oh my god. Oh, it all. That's how I think of the it. Kenny young young Kerry Washington's yeah, it uh, yeah. Uh, husband, yeah. Yeah, I, I just want to cool though.
3: While with a public platform, I just want to give a shout out to a guy on the ensemble named J. Alphonse Nicholson, yes. who played a soldier who was driven into madness by mm-hmm. the taunts of David Allen Grier's character. And I thought
0: that guy was phenomenal. I've seen oh him before, gosh. but I thought he was yeah. phenomenal. Yeah. They were all really, they were really good. There was so much truth and humanity on that stage. And it's yeah. a testament to the writing, of course. I mean, Charles Fuller, the playwright, yeah. um, who's uh, still alive, um, yeah, he and Doug Turner were the original director
3: for, from Negro Ensemble Company where they on opening night. Oh, cool. Yeah. Oh, that's
0: great. Um, yeah, I mean, it's so, so incredibly written, giving such rich material for these actors yeah. to play. No, not a single one of those characters was stock.
2: Right. And, and right.
0: then the, te- the, the skill that they brought to their performances and, and they, the the singularity of the vision of the piece. And they all, and all of the,
3: every actor in the play, you know, some of those actors have three lines. You know, Jared right. Grimes who's mm-hmm. this great tap dancer
2: mm-hmm.
3: uh, is in a, he was in After Midnight. He was in the Radio City Music Hall Spring Spectacular several years ago. Yeah. <laughs> and he's Star- those, Star- keeping yeah. And he
0: yeah. was
3: this he's this great tap dancer. And he's given like tap moments in this. But every role is just so well tailored by Kenny Leon to mm-hmm. the distinct personalities yeah. of each actor in it. Which for a large scale ensemble piece you never really see anymore.
1: True.
3: Yeah. There yeah. are there are not that many directors that can manage to do that with such finesse.
1: And honestly, what a perfect tie in to the first show we talked about, which was lacking that entirely.
3: Yes. (laughs) And
1: that piece had a brilliant actor to work with and it just didn't take advantage of it at all. I think this play does the exact opposite of that and really sort of recognizes and distills every person's talent and makes just a really strong, cohesive end product.
0: Yeah. It's a perfect, perfect example of where the, The sum is greater than the no, the, the total is greater than the sum of its parts. We're not mathematicians. Whatever that no. whatever that saying is. I right? went into theater for a reason. Yeah, yeah there you go. that's how <laughs> my brain don't work. <laughs> yeah, but kudos to, to Roundabout. I mean, I I I was very mm-hmm. impressed with this. I this, to me, this is one of the best Roundabout productions I've ever seen in a lifetime of theater going.
3: And so it doesn't sound like I'm completely shitting on Roundabout. I value <laughs> Roundabout. I do like Roundabout a lot, yeah, specifically yeah. the off Broadway stuff, which I was just always is. Say
1: they're they're underground.
3: underground. The underground and stuff fantastic. is great. Yeah. Yeah. Great They've championed a lot of great playwrights who've gone on to do. Really yes. cool stuff.
0: Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Sorry, Randall. <laughs> I don't hate you. You know what? No, but I mean, it's 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 an open secret in New York, right? People criticize, and th- th- there is an inherent tension, in, on all these nonprofit companies, right? 100%. And Manhattan Theater Club gets its share of criticism too for sure. exactly the same thing, exactly. which is they have to you have fill to get the theaters, right? They have to get. They, they they exist purely right. on the money that they can raise from people buying tickets and from their generous well, donors, right? And they have right? to
1: make their subscriber base.
0: Correct. So there's that tension, well. right? Yeah. And, yeah. and you know... Well, and it's that's fascinating. I mean, that's a
3: larger conversation, but I did a thing, not to... Not to uh, go full Casey Mink, but I, I did a thing with <laughs> Carrie going. Coon. I did a, a feature with Carrie Coon the other day because she's oh, doing the Trace of oh, Let's Play Bug at I'm Steppenwolf. Going. Going. and it was really it was it really was interesting to hear her talk about how when they were starting production of the play, they were going through any celebrity name they can think of that mm-hmm. has theater chops that would be willing to commit to doing the play mm. in yeah. July, and then they couldn't find one, so she was just like, "I'll do it."
0: Yeah. Meanwhile, she's, she's a bit of a celebrity herself. Right? She doesn't think so. <laughs>
1: I mean, like 200 of us watch The Leftovers, so they're not going to fill a Broadway oh, really? theater.
0: But <laughs> That's she, her point, but I
3: still disagree. Yeah.
0: She,
1: I mean, she's one of the greatest living actors. I'm still that,
0: thinking so. of her performance in that play I'm forgetting the title of that was at New York Theatre Workshop. Mary Jane. Mary Jane. Mary. Mary Jane. saw that Jane. play.
1: Oh my God, I'm so glad that I got to touch on Gary Coon this week. Yeah. I did that
0: specifically for you.
1: Thank you so
0: much. Would you like to say anything about Katrina Lank while we have well, before? Well, while we're you know? i just getting all your themes, Casey. I
1: mean, they're in rehearsals <laughs> for they're, company right now. There
0: you go.
3: Okay, Those company photos are really hot. The, the, like the marketing photos. I am really wearing sexy. hoop
1: earrings and Katrina Lank wears hoop earrings in the company promotional.
0: There you go. All right, so, so it's all all coming Off the circle, well,
1: Constitution, there you go. Katrina line Carrie
2: Coon, we're done. Oh, and Amy Adams. Okay, <laughs> Helen Hunt for me, okay,
3: and my wife. Okay.
0: All right, there you go. Uh,
3: <laughs> and specifically, my wife.
0: <laughs> We've gone off the rails. Okay. <laughs> uh, this out. Well, <laughs> sorry. Um, uh, That I think concludes our our, uh, our conversation for the week uh, for this week. Uh, of um these three shows um before we wrap up i was wondering if both of you could share with folks listening to this where they can find you and your work online casey we'll start with you Oh
1: god as everyone knows i'm just on twitter all the time (laughs) me Um, too (laughs) extremely online i believe very (laughs) online i gotta get the hell off it anyways please follow me um at casey underscore mink and you can i tweet most of my stories that (laughs) i feel like you should read but um you can find (laughs) all my work at backstage.com and uh In the old magazine.
0: Fabulous. Still in print. Excellent. Uh, David?
3: You can find me at theatermania.com, theater spelled with an E-R, not an Mm. R-E. I also spend way too much time on Twitter (laughs) and Instagram and any sort of social network I can think of, but not TikTok. Uh,
0: Mr. David Gordon, G-O-R-D-O-N. Perfect. Awesome. Um, And I have to put in a little plug um, for Off-Broadway Week, which uh, runs from February 10th to 23rd. Uh, Yes, that's technically two weeks, but... Uh, we can't go over too much uh, during this time you can get two for one tickets for 33 participating shows so you should check it out uh, support Off-Broadway Theater we love Off-Broadway Theater uh, you can go to nycgo.com slash Off-Broadway Week for more information there's a dash between all this. so I'll say nycgo.com slash Off-Broadway dash week and that's Off-Broadway Week and that's Stage Left for this week thank you guys so much
1: thank you thank you I'll be back for the Tony's
2: Just around the corner A new bit of history there right? something you all might Underestimate
0: but That's it for this week. Stage Left The Podcast is a co-production of the Fabulous Invalid LLC and OM Etc. and a proud member of the Broadway Podcast Network. This episode was edited and engineered by Jamie Dumont and Charles Van Kirk. And special thanks to Jason Robert Brown for our theme song, Wait Till You See What's Next, from his spectacular album, How We React and How We Recover. You can find this podcast online at stageleft.nyc, on the Broadway Podcast Network website, on iTunes, and wherever you listen to podcasts. And as always, you can read my archive of reviews at stageleft.nyc and find me on Twitter at stageleft__nyc. Thank you for listening. I hope you'll tune in next time.
2: Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lupone. This is Lynn manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network.